Hello and welcome to another episode of the League One Lowdown. We continue our season reviews where we look at the three promoted sides, so particularly looking at Luton, Charlton and Barnsley in this particular review. This is the last time I promise uh, uh, these three clubs that you will hear uh, about your club in the League One Lowdown for this season anyway. Uh, we're going to look at the season just gone and what they need to be successful in the Championship and to achieve their aims, which is obviously to try and survive. I am your host as ever, Matt Isles, and also I've got two guests, so I have Alex Broom. Alex, how are you, mate? How's your week been? Um, hi, Matt. Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. Still buzzing enough getting my new job, so yeah, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, congratulations to that. Obviously, I think you've heard that a lot uh, in the past <laughs> week to ten days. Um, thank you. And also, I've got Joe Citrone as ever uh, alongside us on the podcast. Joe, how are you doing, mate? How's your week yeah, well, just recovering from England's latest disappointment last night, but you know, just just guessing about that. But yeah, not too bad. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's uh, good to hear. Unfortunately, not about England anyway. But uh, without further ado, let's uh, begin things. Just talking talking about Charlton. I mean, off the pitch, they did have their problems. Um, of course, the the owner has is well publicised that he isn't liked amongst the supporters. There's been various protests. I think he's actually stopped um, a lot of his funding for the club. So that's been considerably withdrawn um, and obviously they you know Bowyer wasn't actually the permanent manager for a large part of, of the season that they got promoted so they pretty much were a mess um, off the pitch and infrastructure wise but Joe do you think that that's actually more impressive that they've had those problems and still gone up or do you think that you know they, they've gone up because they've more played played unbelievable you know played good football rather than that's been the sort of the, the you know the thing that, that gets talked about more what do you think well it's been impressive they managed to sort of play their good football sort of under the circumstances obviously um as you mentioned uh it's been a really difficult situation for Charlton this season in terms of ownership um you know they weren't they didn't have a lot of money to play with in, in the summer uh considering how big a club you would sort of consider Charlton to be at this level um uh, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, Boyer uh, took him ages to give him a permanent contract. Still isn't actually contracted next season, actually, either. Um, still yet to sign a new deal to stay on as manager. Uh, first game of the season against Sunderland, they couldn't fill a bench. You know, but they have had good players as well. You know, let's not let's not get that um, twisted. You know, they've obviously had uh, Lyle Taylor this season, who's probably one of the most potent goal scorers in the division. Uh, first half of the season, they obviously had Carl and Grant. Probably got to say Taylor and Grant. Most, Probably the most deadly partnership in the division um, up front, and they have had some 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 good play. Obviously, a great defence as well. Um, they've probably had probably the best defence in the division this season. Um, some good options at centre back to to pick from. You know, Bielik, uh, who've had on left Marshall sitting in front of the back four, um, who's been terrific all season. So, yeah, I mean, it has been difficult um, for Charlton under the circumstances, and I think you've got to give. Uh, an enormous amount of credit to, to Boya um, for managing to succeed under those circumstances. But yeah, they've had a good squad as well. And but of course, as I'm sure we'll come on to a bit later, they need to strengthen massively if they're going to um, succeed in the championship. Yeah, absolutely. We'll touch on uh, what they sort of need to look at for next season. Um, I want to go to you, Alex. Just sort of touching about why they were successful in the 18-19 season. What do you think was their biggest strength over the course of the campaign? Um. Well, I, I'm point, I saw um, Lee Bowyer's dressing room speech after they won at Wembley and he said the model they've got there is completely unique and I actually agree with him there. Uh, it's not often you see a club who struggles so badly off the pitch to be able to do so well on the pitch. Usually the, the patterns coincide with each other mm. and you've got to give massive credit to Bowyer and his recruitment team, the way he signed um, 
as Joe said, Bielik on loan from Arsenal, picking up Blar Taylor on a free. They beat up. They beat off a lot of teams to sign Taylor, and the fact they've managed to get promoted on pretty much a shoestring budget with no money whatsoever is just massive testament to the Boya. It must be something about the name Boya being able to work well under tough <laughs> circumstances. Because Gary Boya does just done exactly the same. Um, with Blackpool a couple of years ago, so it, it it just I just think it's massive credit to Lee Bowie and all the coaching staff, Johnny Jackson as assistant. I mean, um, Lee Bowie's always first to, um, to credit him when they perform well, saying he's um a good coach. And then what what I like most about Lee Bowie is that he's openly said he didn't want to go into management. Then he sort of um stumbled upon this job once um Carl Robinson left um for Oxford, and he just did so well he couldn't really look <laughs> back at himself. They've not really um had a bad spell as such since he's been in charge. They've just been a steady club, ticking along, picking up good results. And I think they fully deserve this promotion. But it's going to be tif- difficult to see where they go um, in the Championship. I think they've only got like 10 contracted players or something. So it's going to be interesting to see how they recruit in the summer with no money as well. Yeah, both in, very good points that both of you raised about the season coming up in the Championship. Um, what do you think is the big priority for Charlton first. I mean, obviously, it might sound a bit strange, but they've surely got to get Bowie a new contract. I mean, you know, does how does Bowie approach it? Do you... It's a difficult situation, is it? Because, you know, he, he worked with no money in League One. I get that you need uh, a, a respectable budget in the Championship because I think you obviously immediately fall behind everybody else in terms of having a bad budget in the Championship. But do you think that they need to get him sorted first? Do you think they need to give him assurances on, on what he has and what he has to play with to be competitive in the championship. It's it's difficult, isn't it, how how you try and if, if you were Lee Bowyer in that situation, I feel. I mean I don't know how you two feel. I think they've got to get Bowyer sort as I've seen um rumours that Derby and West Brom have been will be looking at him if Lampard leaves for Chelsea and then West Brom have still yet to appoint a permanent manager. So yeah, since they since they sat more, which was quite a while ago. So they're obviously taking their time over that. And I think Lee Bowie has shown that he's capable of managing a championship club with a bit more um, resources available to him after what he achieved last season with Charlton. So I think it's so important that Charlton get Bowie tied down for at least the next season if they've got really any hope at all of surviving in the championship. Joe, what, 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 do, you, what do you think on the situation? Do you think that they need to get him sit like done first, signed, sealed? Or do you think that... You know, if you were in that situation, you, you'd have your reservations about what getting offered to you. Um, I think from his point of view, I think he's always um, wanted to get it sorted. I think he's always said, you know, for a few months now, I think, um, every, you know, the question every press conference, every interview he does is sort of, have you got any update on the contract? And he's always seemed quite confident they'll be able to get it sorted eventually. But it's obviously difficult as we talk about the ownership. Like, it's it's just not um, a conventional football club at the moment. The setup of the club is just not... Um, it's not that efficient, really, in that respect. Um, it took it, it took them a ridiculous amount of time to to give them a um, a permanent contract. Anyway, like it was it was caretaker manager for for months on end, um, even right through through preseason and at the start of the season. So it's hardly a surprise that it's taking a long time to extend that contract as well. Um, but yeah, that's got that's massive. I think that that is that could be huge for Charlton next season is if Bowie leaves I think it's going to be a struggle personally um, I, I really just I, I don't know who they'll be able to get in um, that could be able to do the job uh, he's obviously well liked within the club well respected so I, I just think it'll be massively tough if he if he leaves the Charlton and um, yeah he he's obviously needs to bring in players I'm looking at their squad now and it's it's not a particularly long list of players at the moment um, and yeah they need to get players in um, strengthen. I think defensively they've still got quite a few 
players there. Um, you know, Naby Sarr, Jason Pierce, Patrick Bauer, I think might leave as well. I don't know, but they've only got one striker at the club, so obviously they need to find some goals from somewhere for next season. And I think it's going to be tough, but if anyone can do it, I think Boya can after his sort of heroics this season, to be fair. Yeah, the recruitment's going to be an important one because obviously they haven't got many contracted players. I mean, I think Patrick Bauer is out of contract. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Hearing rightly, yeah. So obviously they they did rely last year on on loanies. You know, Purrington, Cullen, Bielik. Um, though you know they were three key players for them, and obviously they might they might come back. They might not. I think it's a bigger chance that they will come back. That they have gone up a, a division rather than them staying down. So I think that could be a plus for them. But how do they approach the recruitment? Do they go the same way? So I think, obviously, if the funds aren't there, they're probably going to have to go and be so... They're going to have to be so much more smarter than what Barnes in Luton perhaps will be. Do you think that they might have to rely on loans and free transfers again, Alex? Um, yeah, absolutely. That's it's the exact way they're going to have to go down, be able to pick up similar deals to how they got Lyle Taylor last season, just look at other clubs retain this and... Po- poach um the good players who um have left um clubs such as that, and which is which is makes it so surprising for me why they um released Johnny Williams. I thought he's the exact sort of player if he wasn't um already at Charlton, they should be looking at to bring in. So I know there's um a bit, a bit of talk he might be staying on anyway, but to actually um go out and say they're not going to be renewing his contract, I was I was amazed by that. I think he's the exact sort of player which Charlton should be looking to bring in, let alone um offer a new deal when he's already at the club if you know what I mean yeah absolutely uh, so that's Charlton uh, done Dusty Very, they're probably the most interesting uh, side to look at for in the championship of course what happens off the pitch and what happens with Bowie there's a lot of uh, questions that need to be answered over the next course of the next two months so let's move on to Barnsley now probably the best side to watch in League One last year probably many people's tips to go up within the top two for me they were the best footballing team to watch uh, at the start of the season they appointed an unknown German coach. To many Barnsley supporters, it was very much Daniel Stendel who. Uh, I bet a lot of them had to Wikipedia him or, or look at uh, on, on Google to sort of see who he was. Coached Hanover from the Bundesliga 2 to the top flight in Germany. Uh, he was very much close to getting them on the verge of promotion before I believe he was given the sack. Um, brought through young players there, played good football. So very much the modern German coach. Um, took that with him to Barnsley. Didn't change the team that much. Brought in a couple of signings. Um, of course, they're a club very much looking for the future. They've got the whole money ball approach, which is very much, you know, worked wonders with them over the last couple of years in terms of profits and, uh, for transfers and sales and stuff. Um, Joe, one thing that really stood out for Barnsley this season was their average age of their squad was 26 or something like that, which is incredible given how young it is. Do you think that maybe a lot of teams are going to look at Barnsley now and say that that's going to be their model? And do you think that that was what they built their success on? The fact that they that they had such a, a young squad, a, a young average squad age? Mm. Yeah, I think so. But also at the same time, you know, as much as you say they've had a sort of a young squad, um, a lot of their players have, have been feel quite experienced, if that makes sense, in the sense yeah, that, yeah. you know, a lot of their squad this season was with the players they had in the championship or players they brought in in the championship. So they almost had uh, a sort of decent championship-level squad in League One. That's how I felt. Certainly when Oxford played on the first day of the season, you're seeing players line up. Obviously, I think Bradshaw played in that game before he left for Millwall. Um, Kiefer Moore. Um, you Mauer. Know, 
Uh, yeah, Moa, obviously, uh, Liam Lindsay, Pinnock, uh, Davis in goal. You're seeing just a really strong squad. Um, and yeah, they've got some exciting players. Obviously, Moa, when he played for Oxford, was not that great. Um, but he seems to have really kicked on under Stendhal at Barnsley. Um, and he's been probably one of their players of the season, I think, you know, if you talk to any Barnsley fans. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, 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 yeah, they've got a young squad, but it's still was experienced at the champion. They never re- didn't really lose that many players. I think Bradshaw was the only sort of main player they lost from the championship. Um, and obviously, again, we always always seem to talk about goal scorers. I know uh, they missed him for a couple of months um, towards the end of the season. But Kiefer Moore, at this level of football, you know, um, if, again, he's just going to he's just going to score goals, isn't he? You know, he's a he's a big target man, hold the ball up and over the back of the net. I think that's sort of the perfect sort of recipe for a goal scorer at the sort of League One, League Two level. Um, and yeah, again, I think it'll be interesting to see how they do in the championship. I've sort of fancied them to do relatively okay, actually. Um, but they will have to do more business um, this summer than they did last because they didn't really sign that many, that many players last summer um, in the build-up to their League One season. They sort of just kept sort of the nucleus of the, um, of the championship squad together mm-hmm. and just added sort of a couple of players. And they signed uh, was it Dougal, the, the Australian guy. Um, they brought I think Woodrow in in January. I think the Bayer as well from his old club Hanover. Yeah, yeah, and they also got um, I think Callum Stars from Bury, the young the young midfielder. So there wasn't really that many signings, but I think they'll have to do probably a few more because it's going to be a big step up from League One to Championship. But I think you know they play a good style of football. And they've got a good um, coach in charge, so I fancy them to do okay, prolonging they obviously get a few more bodies in the building. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about uh, what the future holds for Barnes in the Championship on their return in just just a second. But Alex, I mean, is there anything you'd like to add to, to Barnsley and how they were strong in League One last season? I mean, you know, me me and Joe probably hold the same opinion. They were a fantastic team to watch. Probably, you know, Joe rightly points out that they did have a lot of the squad that was fairly decent level Championship players. Do you think that keeping that core, that nucleus of players, was a key ingredient to? every success they had this season. Yeah, definitely. And I think they're going to have to um, repeat that sort of thing again this summer. Uh, they've conceded the fewest amount of goals in the league last year. And I think a big part of that was their centre-back pairing of um, Pinnock and Lindsay. I think they're two very, very um, competent centre-halves for League One level. And I think they won't have any problems at all stepping up to um, the Championship. I know a lot of Barnsley fans in particular seem to really like Ethan Pinnock. So I think it'd be, if they keep him, I think they'll be in a really good stead for next year. I've heard um, rumours already that Adam Davis is leaving, perhaps um, to Stoke to replace Butland if he gets a Premier League move, which um, means they'll probably have to go for a new goalkeeper. But in my opinion, I, I never thought um, Adam Davis was that terrific anyway, really. Um, mate, he let in a sloppy goal against um, my team, Wickham. And when I've um, seen Barnsley before in the past, I've always thought he's um, maybe a bit of their weak link. Seems to be a bit slow releasing the ball. He does make some like wonder saves, like which you think wow, but then it, I just think he's always got that mistake in him, which you could say perhaps that's why he's only playing at League One. But I think he's um very very replaceable for Barnsley should he should he should he should he actually um leave for Stoke, and then I think but when it comes to um Barnsley's actual transfer business, I know their owners um, are pretty well off after their takeover when they're in the Championship, so I don't think they'll have any issues at all um trying to find um players to come in and sort into Daniel Stendhal's way of doing things and I'm a massive fan of Daniel Stendhal for that. For that. Yeah, I think uh, I have to say I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of his. I think, you know, the way he sort of, his idea and philosophy on football, I think, shouldn't, shouldn't um, be underestimated how strong it is in, in an attacking sense. What do they need to look for for next season? Because they obviously have a recruitment plan, which is to go for young 
sort of future stars in the English game. And obviously, you know, they look at Woodrow, he's still only a young age, and they did buy him a cave for a million from Fulham or, or whatever the price tag was. But, you know, he is still a very, very good player. The level. What, what sort of players do they need to look at, Joe? Do they need to go sort of players from the Championship or do they go, you know, the top players from League One or League Two? It's, it's, it's difficult to, to work out what sort of young players they're going to go for, isn't it? Mm, it's often difficult to sort of strike that balance when you're going up into the Championship. Um, but it's also, you know, I think it's easy to fall into the trap of just signing big championship names. And I think they should stick to their model personally and just and just um, keep going with what's sort of made them successful season just gone. Um, I think if you look at like when Fulham got promoted to the Premier League, a bit of a weird example, but they just sort of went, completely went away from the team that got them there in the first place and, you know, bought a load of players and it didn't really, they couldn't really fit them in. I don't want to see someone like Barnsley do that when they've had, you know, a lot of their players have been sort of far, looked far too good for League One. They can make the step up to the Championship. Yeah, they need to add a bit of quality. They need to strengthen in key areas, I think. But I wouldn't want them to completely rip up and start again when their squad has been so strong this season in League One. Um, and as you say, they've got young players who, who can grow. Um, you know, look look at someone like uh, Ethan Pennick, he's only 26, he's still yet to hit his peak years. Alex Mowat's uh, 24, I think, so he's still yet to hit his peak years, can still grow and develop. Uh, Woodrow up front is still, I think, very young. Um, you know, Moore has still got his best years ahead of him, so it's actually quite an exciting time for Barnsley. I wouldn't want them to, to, to go in and sort of sign a whole new team. I think just strengthen a, a couple of key areas, maybe, maybe bring a, one or two experienced championship players in there um just a few experienced heads um and see where they go but i wouldn't want them to go away from their model and i think they should um keep as i say the nucleus of their of their side from league one again for the championship maybe add a couple of quality additions around that very interesting points there i mean the, the question i'm going to ask to you alex which joe rightly alluded to was the fact that a lot of teams have, have you know they've gone up and they've completely changed everything and it's not worked or they've kept a lot of the squad and it and it's worked as well do you think that Barnsley will completely rip it up like Fulham did to the Premier League or do they think that they'll do like what a lot of teams do when they come up from League One to the Championship and they'll, they'll keep the same mould by adding a few additions do you think that they'll do B rather than A or do you think they'll do A rather than B I definitely think they're going to um, keep the same sort of mould and just have one or two clever additions. I mean, Stendhal has his way of playing and it seems the players he's got at the minute um, are good at that. They've bought into his um, philosophies and and uh, um, seem to execute them well enough in the pitch. And I think one or two clever additions in their team and then maybe bulking up their squad a little bit more um, for depth-wise. And I think they could have a very good season next year. I don't, I don't think they'll be um, threatened by relegation, really. I think that they may get off to a pretty good start and slightly fade away a little bit or something like that. Because I think Stendhal's a fantastic coach to be able to bring out the best of the players he's got and get them playing his way of football. And I think no matter who they sign, I trust them to be right for the club. As I think they've got a manager who knows exactly um, what they do need. And I think he'll be able to um, address that pretty competently in the market. Good, good points there about Barnsley, of course. Uh, the third and final side we're going to look at is the champions. Uh, best till last is what they usually say, isn't it? Uh, in Luton Town. Um, for me, at the start of the season, uh, I looked at their league two days. Alex will probably cast a better judgment than probably what me and Joe were over the last few years, which is fair enough given that they did come up with Wickham in 17-18. But I looked at Luton's squad at first and I did think that they could challenge for top six. And then it got to around December. I think I saw them... Uh, at Coventry and I thought that this side 
looked playoff ready. They looked playoff material. Um, but then ever since then, they just completely kicked on and on and on and on. Uh, they went 28, 29 matches unbeaten. Uh, Nathan Jones obviously departed to go to Stoke, which was quite remarkable that they managed to stay unbeaten under a, a man in Mick Harford who knows Luton inside out. He's managed them before through the dark days, but he managed them through the good days um, this season. Um, let's start with, with you, Joe. Um, it was pretty surprising for me to see Luton go up as champions. What was I asked the question about Charlton and Barnsley. What was their key strength in going up this season? Um, I think actually they've just had sort of quality all over the pitch. As much as that's a bit of a bottler answer, you know. I just looked at their squad, um, and I think the most the most impressive thing are probably the fullbacks for Luton. Um, James Justin, in particular, I think has been just an unbelievable player for Luton this season. Um, the way he gets them down the pitch, it's no surprise for me that. He is sort of being linked with a with a big money move. Sort of people talking about seven eight million pounds for him, um, which is sort of crazy money really when you think about it from from this level of football. Um, and also they've they've got that that goal scorer that I keep banging on about as well. You know James Collins as well. Um, I think we've spoken about on the podcast a little bit surprising that he sort of made that step up uh, and been quite as emphatic in this league as he was in League Two because yeah. uh, a few a few years back he was sort of playing for Shrewsbury, getting loaned out to League Two clubs. And he was in Northampton for a brief while. Uh, went to Crawley, um, so I think he actually played at this level for Shrewsbury. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean, a couple he, of years ago, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, and 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 he wasn't playing games. Like he wasn't good enough or deemed good enough at the time by Shrewsbury. But he's he's gone down with Luton. I think it's almost um, proof that if you've got a striker playing in the right system and, and playing just completely to their strengths, you can get goals out of a player like Collins because uh, he knows where the back of the net is and he is a, a pretty clinical finisher. Um, and yeah, Luton this season they've had disruption, of course, with Nathan jo- Nathan Jones leaving sort of midway through the season. But they had um, almost a perfect replacement, really, to sort of um, just sort of steady the ship, really, with uh, in Mick Harford, club legend, and it's almost a fairy tale story for really for Luton. Um, it's uh, they're going back into the championship, and it's a club legend who's who's got them there in Harford. Um, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how they'll do next season. I know they've already already announced a signing um, in Callum McManaman. Um, that's you know that's not a bad signing. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's going to be it's, it's difficult. It's going to be a difficult balancing act um, for Graham Jones, the new manager. Um, do we keep the, the core of the squad, or do we? You know, is it, is that sort of the same question really with Barnsley? Um, and I'd almost be more inclined to maybe bring in a few more experienced heads with Luton because they've got a squad that really has got very very little championship experience in there. Just looking through the squad now, obviously. Um, you know, Sonny Bradley's and and Pier- you know, Pearson, pleasant that, but you know. How much you know? Danny Hilton is a backup striker. You know, not really much championship experience. So they they could probably do with adding. Whereas Barnsley probably could add two or three. I think maybe three, four, or five more experienced heads of the championship in Luton squad. But it'll be interesting to it'll be you know interesting to see because obviously Graham Jones is a bit of a, a gamble as a manager anyway. Um, you know, not managed at this level before. Uh, been a number two with Roberto Martinez in recent years. So it'll be interesting to see Luton, but. As I as I sit here now, I, I I think they'll be okay, but we'll have to see um, what sort of business they do. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll look ahead to next season. I'll just go to to Alex first. I mean, Alex, they came up with Wickham in twenty seventeen eighteen. Um, were you surprised that they've gone um, up up a level? They've gone up this so called many levels to to be champions of league one. I mean, you know, they've they've built a model on being successful, haven't they? I mean, they've built to try and get into the championship. It has worked. They're there for the first time after twelve years. Did you honestly expect 
this time around 12 months ago that you could honestly see Luton kicking on as they have done when they've just come up to this division with Wickham? Um, no, I didn't think they'd be as strong as what they have been, I've got to say. I thought they'd um, have a good season. I thought they'd be in and around the playoff mix. Maybe, I think I had them, I put them down for eighth before balls kicked my predictions. So I would have, I, I, I would have I, there as well. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, I, I didn't think they were going to struggle or anything. But then, I think as as more and more the season went on, I think more more people realised how good a team they were. Like Nathan Jones's philosophy of playing with the diamond, having the high press, getting the full backs up the pitch, it's, it just seemed to be really really effective at this level. Not many teams could deal with it. And then after Jones departed, it was always um, the case of what was Harford going to do? Was he going to continue the similar system? Was he going to put his own ideas in? And he just he just sort of went with the mentality: if it's if it's not broken, don't fix it. He's just continued um, sort of like Jones's tactics with the diamond, getting Stacey and Justin up the pitch and they got um, full rewards for it. And um, I, I like I like Graham Jones, their new appointment. I've watched a couple of his interviews and I like the way he talks. He's obviously um, got good coaching experience being with Roberto Martinez. He's an FA Cup winner. He's coached some of um, the world's most elite players with the Belgium team. And I think he's going to be really interested to see how he does. I think McManaman's not a surprise to me. He's brought him in. He was... Um, um, when Martinez was manager of Wigan, um, McManaman was under Jones's um, coaching there. When Jones was um, Roberto Martinez's assistant, so he obviously knows him quite well. Mm. I think he could fill in at the tip of the diamond, possibly either side of the diamond as well. And I, I think um, is this um, the sort of signing we can expect from him? As Callum McManaman's quite a prestigious name for the Championship. I mean, he was at Wigan last year, Sheffield Wednesday, known the year before. He's um, He's, he's, he's a handy player on his day. It's up to um, Graham Jones to be able to get the best out of him. And I, and I think he can do. I think that's the sort of... Uh, we're going to see similar names coming to Luton. And if, especially if um, James Justin goes, what, we're talking seven, eight million pounds, then I think they're going to have a bit of money to pump in and buy players. And uh, it'd be really interesting to see if Graham Jones does continue um, the Luton diamond or go with his own ideas. I personally think at the minute he's going to continue playing with the diamond, but it's going to be... Really interesting one to see um, what sort of tactics he imp- implements on the side. Yeah, yeah, quite right. Some really, really good points made there, of course. McManaman is a player as well. He's, he's, he's got Premier League experience playing with Wigan. And Man, the match and the FA Cup final too. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's interesting with, with Graham James because he, he's walking into a club that's on a complete tidal wave of, of being high. Does he go there, not rip up in terms of recruitment? Because I think, uh, for me he's going to keep a lot of that squad together. I don't think he's going to want to change what's a successful team in his first managerial job. He's not, that's not the type of job he's walking into. He knows he's, he's walking into a club where it's completely on the upward success over the last two years. What does he do? Does he rip up the philosophy or does, you know, he go with the mentality like you said, Alex, um, that he, you know, doesn't try to change. He, he just doesn't, break things, you know, he doesn't keep things while they're, they're not fixed, you know what I mean? Does he keep that approach or do you think he just goes for a completely different idea over time? Well, I think they should um, stick with the diamond for like their plan A, but it's in the last couple of seasons in Luton, they didn't really like change formation, they always stuck with the diamonds, they could be playing more from at home or they could be going up to Sunderland away or whatever, they'd always just have the same tactic, it was just fine, like, you play to your strengths and whatnot, but when they're going to be playing the likes of Bielsa's leads, West Brom, the sort of like heavy hitters in the championship. I think they're going to have to show a bit more um, adaptation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're going to have to um, be able to adapt to be able to um, um, keep hold of, um, keep, keep keep their threats out and then get the maximum out of their best players. I think getting um, James Collins has always played well with um, two strikers. I think 
as um, Joe said earlier, when it, it's spelling Northampton when they were um, champions of League Two, him and Mark Richards up front were just an absolute nightmare for defenders. So, I mean, to get the best out of Connors, he has to play with another striker, like sort of like little and large combos we saw of Luar Luar Hilton last season. But then, if you um playing against with a more possession-based team, such as um, Stoke, I want to Nathan Jones's team, then you can, might have to, you might want to stick um, the extra man in midfield and forfeit one of the strikers. So it's going to be really interesting to see um, how they do um, line up against the heavy hitters in the Championship next season. Joe, what, what do you think about the the big thing? Does, does Jones? Did you agree with what Alex is saying, or do you think that maybe he might, you know, completely change it to to be adaptable? completely in the championship because is he, you know he's got quite a bit of experience of it with coaching with West Brom last season okay so he learned only a little bit but it's probably a lot more than what a lot of those Luton players would have ever known before mm, yeah it's it's interesting how um how Brom mentions that you know obviously about the diamond and um sort of the tactics you know he obviously ha- they have been playing the diamond and sort of without uh you know wide players as such getting the the width through um the attacking fullbacks but Graham Jones's first signing is um, as Luton manager has been a, has been a winger um, in Callum McManaman, so maybe that might hint towards a slight um, shift in system moving up into the Championship, or you know he could just come in and play in that number ten role. I don't know, um, but he has obviously played most of his football um, at Wigan and Sunderland and you know everywhere else as as a as a winger. So it'll be interesting, really. I, th- I you know I, I don't see any reason why they should. Um, change system as such, I think, yeah, but I, th- I do think they have to be more um, sort of tactically flexible um, moving up into the championship and maybe yeah. find a way to I don't want to say find a way to grind results out because Luton are always going to be a goal-scoring team. They're always going to be a team that's going to be at their best at the front foot and they sh- uh, on the front foot, I should say, and they should stick to their strengths and stick to their principles, if you like, but I do think they might need to I don't. I, I don't know whether just you know pushing men forward, throwing men forward in the championship is going to yield quite the same results um, as it did perhaps in League One and League Two. Um, I think it, it may need to just be a little bit more flexible tactically um, and find a, you know maybe new ways of winning football matches. But I think that the appointment of Jones says to me. Um, they want to continue playing in the way you know he's been he's been working with Martinez for most of his career. Martinez is 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 one of the most sort of stubborn coaches in world football when it comes to playing style. You know he'll play the same way no matter who it's against. And I imagine Graham, you know, the same sort of principles have rubbed off on Graham Jones over the years, um, considering they've, you know, gone from Swansea to Wigan to Everton to Belgium together. You know they've been they've been sort of a, a combo a, a duo throughout their careers. So. I imagine it's going to be similar sort of tactics and that's sort of what Luton have been playing in the last couple of years, just attacking. But again, I do worry moving up into the championship where they might get caught out a couple of times and maybe they need to, to, to as I said, be a little bit more flexible tactically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a very, very good points raised. I mean, that's ended the discussion, but we're not done yet on the League One lowdown. Also, just to say, Luton yeah, Town, Barnsley and Charlton supporters, um, if you want to get your fix of the championship ad at chat chat 22 on twitter uh, of course it's basically like the legal lowdown but it's all things championship uh with elliot jackson so get subscribing to that if you feel like you've heard enough of us for one season we're going to look now a little bit towards next season of course there has been some transfer dealings um so far this season um we're going to ha- probably have a look at the obviously the club that has made the most business so far peterborough uh, followed by Coventry in a close second. Uh, I'm going to ask 
you two who the most standout signing is so far uh, and why. Alex, uh, let's start with you. Who do you think, out of the arrivals uh, at any club at the moment, who is the standout? I think you've got to say Mo Issa with the transfer fee that um, Peterborough paid for him to um, Bristol City, spending just over £1.2 million on one player. It shows the intent that Peterborough have this season. They're going to really, really go for it as they've been active in... um, very active in the transfer market side and what six or seven players is it so uh, it's about that isn't it yeah I think yeah it so is. they're really showing that they're just going to be able to get their business done early they're showing that they're going to be able to attract these big names spend the big money and it's going to be a massive gamble for them because you get the feeling if they um they're spending all this money and they don't get promotion then you've got to see it as a little bit of a waste and you can't imagine Darren Ferguson will keep his job if he doesn't get promoted this season when they're spending all that money and it's like, he seems to be on and off repeatable all the time, regardless. So mm. if um, it seems they're putting all their eggs in um, one basket, and that's to just really go for it in this transfer window. So you're going to have to, for, for Darren Ferguson's sake, hope it pays off for them. So what is interesting? Let's let's stay with Peter because I think they've got to be talked mm. about the most, given they've made the most business. I mean, you look at their, they signed Pim, Beavers, and Dan Butler from Newport on three on free transfers, and then they signed Eisler and Tastamere and filed on undisclosed fees so it just shows that they might be worrying a little they're, they're being smart in their recruitment on free transfers but then they are prepared to throw money at it if if they all if you know they feel feel by any means necessary mm. oh, yeah, I've been massively impressed with the business Peter have done the, the one sort of word of um, caution I would say is that Peterborough do tend to do this do business nice and early do bring in big. I mean, this, this is is this sort of any different to last season when with the players they were sort of bringing in? They were bringing in big name players last season, um, but it does feel slightly different this time around because, um, as I say, I actually think Ferguson. I think moving into the season, Ferguson is probably more likely to play a, a better style of football than Steve Evans um, was uh, this time uh, last season. And um, I don't get the impression. I think they get, they're getting their business done early, but I don't think they'll be signing 15, 16 players. I think they'll probably bring in um, a few, you know, a few more, and then sort of be done, which is good, really, because they'll probably have most of their squad in place for the beginning or you know midway through preseason. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, Peterborough obviously Mo Issa is a, you know, over a million pounds at this level. That's obviously huge money um, to be to be sort of chucking around. Um, uh, I do think that's a good signing. I think in League One. Um, he'll probably do the business, but of course it's a bit of a gamble to be paying that sort of money for someone like Isaac, considering he played five games last season and they were all off the bench for Bristol City. He didn't even start a game last season. And he uh, hasn't played at this level before? No, and you know, they're basing it really off one good season in League 2 he had with Cheltenham. Now, he did have a pretty fantastic season with Cheltenham, must be said, and I thought he would go up to League 1 rather than make two steps up to the Championship. Mm. Maybe that was a mistake. Maybe that was too much too soon for him. And this is sort of maybe his level that he needs to establish himself at before he makes a, a big move to the championship. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think really it's going to be pace up front. Um, I think, you know, with you when you've got someone like Marcus Madison, Mo Issa, either side sort of um, of Ivan Tony, that's got pace, that's got creativity. Um, that's going to cause havoc, I think, at um, League One, if they can keep that sort of front three together. Um, I think there have been a few clubs after linked with Madison and Tony, but I think they're holding firm. So I think that could be um, a pretty deadly front three. And 
you know, I, I also am massively impressed by Butler as well in the playoffs for Newport. I think that's a good signing on a free transfer from, from Newport for, for, for Peterborough. Christy Pym has been a good young keeper for Exeter over the last couple of years. It's a good solid addition. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably been on paper the most impressive. But, you know, we have been here before with Peterborough. We're looking at their signings thinking, wow, and it's not quite um, worked out that way. So we'll have to wait and see how the rest of their business goes and how they start the season, I think. Apart from Ice, obviously, which Alex said was was the signing that he's been impressed with, is it Butler? You're you're saying it's probably yeah. the most standout one for you? Yeah, I think he's. I, I just like. I think they're so hard to come by players like him who can get up and down the pitch as quickly as he can, and also deliver across as well. I think his final delivery looks pretty pretty decent and at 24 as well he's got good resale value i think peterborough sort of rely on that a little bit you know they sell players on for big money uh, they have done that over the years with edwards and marriott probably more recent examples um i think butler's sort of player that in a couple of years time you know we talk about james justin go for big for huge money i'm not going to say butler's going for seven million but i think in a couple of years time they're going to be championship clubs potentially if if all goes well looking at him and thinking he's a player that can really you know get up and down the pitch be a real threat um, you know, in the wide areas and get crosses in the box and be, you know, say, a really good player. I think that's a fantastic addition um, for them. And obviously, uh, they brought in uh, Beavers as well. I think um, left-footed centre back, experience, one promotion from this level before. I think that yeah, on paper their business looks fantastic. But as I say, you know, let's see how they all gel together at the start of the season. That's going to be that's going to be interesting to see. Well, I'm going to go and move away from from Peter. I'm going to look at Coventry. I did briefly talk about as the team who's made the most business behind them and probably the standout signing for me someone like Carl McFadgen um, mm, yeah. he, you know for me he you know he obviously won uh, promotion at this league with MK Dons he's a very uh, no-nonsense centre-back but he can also play with the ball at his feet when when I have seen Burton um, I think he's a very good player at this level um, you know he, he can head a ball he can pass a ball, he's good in a tackle, he's got a good reading of the game. And I think for Coventry to, to sign him from Burton when there wasn't that much of a difference last season just probably shows the ambition of where the club wants to be. OK, you know, that they aren't playing an official, uh, their official home next season. Obviously, they are at St Andrews, if you hadn't already known, for at least 12 months, well, for, for this for the next season anyway. But, you know, it just shows how far they've come under Robbins if they're able to attract somebody like McFadgen on a free transfer when he could probably have got a club in the championship, let's say a Mirwall, or he could even have, have got into a, a team like Charlton or even Barnsley potentially, um, who've obviously just gone up to the championship. So I think that's probably the standout bit of business. But in the next few weeks, I would expect this transfer window to liven up. Teams like Sunderland, Portsmouth, they haven't yet done any business. Mm. Um, I don't think Peterborough is finished yet. We've obviously got Ipswich and... Uh, Rotherham, we've made two signings. Uh, sorry, I've uh, made a, a sign-in. Uh, Ipswich have, and Ipswich have made. Uh, Rotherham have made two, but you would expect more um, to be done. But on that note, that is it for the podcast uh, this week. That's the season review done. But uh, we'll also take a look at the uh, sides who've come down and who've come up um, for this season in League One. So the likes of Tranmere, Berry, Lincoln, and MK Dons will be looking at next week. Uh, who've come up from League Two and uh, relegated from the Championship, like Bolton, Ipswich, and Rotherham. So uh, it's uh, I've got to say uh, thanks for coming on and uh, goodbye uh, to Alex. Uh, see you in uh, around a week's time, mate. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, cheers, Matt. See you, mate. Uh, and also, uh, same goes for you, Joe. Thanks for coming on, mate. And I'll see you in a week. Yeah, yeah. See you soon, mate. Yeah, not bother coming on. 
All right, so uh, as I said, that's uh, the it for the podcast uh, this week. Uh, remember, if you haven't already, uh, you can listen to all the platforms we've got the uh, podcast on, Spotify, Acast, and iTunes, if you already don't know. And subscribe to the Twitter, at L1 Lowdown, and Instagram, and Facebook page. That's all from us at the L1 Lowdown, and we'll be back with another podcast next week. Thank you, and see you soon. Bye for now.